We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve. I serve on the leadership team here at Anthem Church. It's great to have you with us today. Before we get into the sermon for this morning, I want to take a moment to honor and to celebrate the moms who are joining us this morning online. And I also want to take a moment to recognize those women who long to be moms, but for whatever reason haven't had an opportunity to see that longing fulfilled. I want to say to both of you, Happy Mother's Day. In Mark chapter 1, it tells us that Jesus woke up early in the morning while it was still dark to go and find a solitary place to pray. And in Mark chapter 4, we are told that Jesus fell asleep at the stern in the boat during a furious squall. I think if moms had to wake up early before their kids to go and pray, most of them would be stumbling out of bed by 3.30 in the morning. And I think most moms haven't unfortunately been able to sleep through the furious squall that is their kids, hopefully occasional, but altogether legendary meltdowns. The Bible says that we are called to do the works of Jesus. And perhaps as a mom, you haven't been able to perfect those works of Jesus. But in so many other areas, you have overachieved. Like Jesus, you've given your children an incredible example to follow. Like Jesus, you've pointed to a better way than the ways of the world. Like Jesus, you've called out destiny and purpose. You've prayed and you fasted and you've wept often through the night. You've calmed storms. You've withstood the devil's attack. You've healed with a touch. You've spoken words of, of, of wisdom. You've spoken words of value and worth. And miraculously, during the lockdown, you've even multiplied food when your kids are begging for a snack 30 minutes after breakfast and 30 minutes after lunch. But most of all, like Jesus, you've laid down your lives for those that you love. And so I want to say thank you for who you are and thank you for what you've done. And I hope that you have an amazing Mother's Day. All right, with that uh, said, I would love for us to turn to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 30. That's the text that we're going to be in this morning. And while you're turning there, just to give you a little heads up, next Sunday we're going to be celebrating our church's 16th birthday. So I want you to keep your eyes open this coming week for an email on Tuesday or Wednesday with some information about some fun events that we're going to do online, building up to our birthday next weekend. Um, and then also next Sunday, we're going to have a little bit more of, a, of an announcement about our building fund and our building project. So just an update regarding that. So Psalm 30 is where we're going to be in um, for this morning. When was the last time you had a good old ugly cry? I know there is weeping and there's wailing and there's sniveling and there's sobbing and there's blubbering and there's bawling. But I'm talking about a good old-fashioned ugly cry. When was the last time you had one of those? I suspect with all that we are going through at the moment, probably most of us would say it was rather recently. For Debs, it was just this past Thursday. For me, it was a few weeks before that. I had been reading the book Just Mercy, which is a book by Brian Stevenson, dealing or kind of speaking into the injustices of, of, of capital crime incarceration. And about halfway through that book, I came across a chapter that described the incredible horror and injustice that a 14-year-old boy had to go through. He was arrested for killing his abuse, his drunk, abusive 
uh, mother's boyfriend. And he killed this man while he was attacking his mother. And this 14-year-old boy called Charlie was arrested, was tried as an adult, and ended up being incarcerated in an adult prison. And reading the horrors of what Charlie had to go through, the injustice of what Charlie had to go through, on top of the, the, the struggles that, that I had been facing because of the current uh, lockdown and the, and the overwhelming sense of uncertainty, I, I absolutely broke. I, I didn't weep. I didn't sob, I didn't bawl, I, I broke down and ugly cried for a solid 20 minutes. Ugly crying, or however we uh, express our emotions and feelings, seems so incompatible with this call that we have as followers of Jesus to trust God. And that's something that Debs was struggling with this past Thursday. But another somewhat incom incompatible idea is, is, is expressing emotion and expressing grief and sorrow, um, how that seems incompatible, incompatible with reaching out to others with the love of Jesus, especially when we are trying to navigate our own uncertainty and our own doubt and our own fear regarding what we are, are currently facing. What I hope to share with you today, my encouragement for you today, I, I, I hope to show us that uh, as we give ourselves permission to weep, and in the midst of weeping, we understand the power of worship. And as we embrace the, the posture of waiting, it provides a, 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 a platform of incredible integrity with which we are able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. We are in week five of our six-week series called Reach, which is a series that is encouraging us to reach out to others with the love of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. And what I want to share today is actually a sermon or a variation of a sermon that I preached a couple of years ago. But the truths I preached then, I believe, are really applicable for us today, considering all that we are going through. Psalm 130 says this, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sin, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. Psalms of sorrow or psalms of lament make up nearly half of all the psalms that are found in the Bible, and they contain some of the the most raw, some of the most real, some of the most honest cries of the heart that are found in all of Scripture. Typically what happens is there's an external crisis, either a, either a personal attack or a national disaster, or in our case, a global pandemic, which, which stirs or creates some sort of internal turmoil, internal disaster, internal struggle, or a spiritual crisis where, where uh, we face despair or, or doubt or discouragement or distress and it causes us or it causes the psalmist to, to cry out in anguish to the Lord, asking for answers to questions and asking for deliverance. Sometimes we read in the Psalms that deliverance comes. 
In Psalm 54, the psalmist cries out to the Lord, save me, O Lord. And then later on, he ends off Psalm 54 with this. You have delivered me from all of my troubles and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. Clearly, deliverance came for the psalmist in Psalm 54. But sometimes deliverance doesn't come. And that's the case in our psalm, in Psalm 130. The psalmist writes, he exhorts us to wait for the Lord and to put our hope in the Lord. Why? Because he will redeem Israel from all of their sins. And I think that mirrors life for for all of us. Sometimes we look back on those difficult and hard and troubling seasons that we've been through and we clearly see the hand of Lord uh, uh, on that season and how he's managed to use all those difficult circumstances ultimately for his glory and for our good. We see how God has clearly redeemed those situations and worked his purposes through those trials. But sometimes we can't. Sometimes we we look back on those situations and we we can't fully understand how or why God allowed us to go through those times. And it's it's painful and it's, and it's, it's unclear as to what God has done. And I think it's important that we don't gloss over those questions and we don't gloss over the pain and rush towards trying to find often what is an incomplete or unsatisfactory answer. In his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Peter Scazzaro says this, One of the benefits of emerging the other side of hardship or struggle or journeying through what he calls the wall is a greater appreciation for holy unknowing or mystery. These psalms of sorrow in the midst of difficult and overwhelming circumstances allow us and encourage us to be honest and real. It gives us permission to cry out to the Lord. And I wonder if in this season that we're in, That's all that some of us need, permission to be real and honest and cry out to the Lord. So what do we do with hardship? And what do we do with sorrow? How do we respond? Psalm 130 gives us four expressions, weeping, worshiping, waiting, and witnessing. This, this framework is, 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 a, is a framework that I heard from a, a, a preacher that I listened to called Andrew Wilson from, from England. And I've adapted his framework for this sermon this morning. In Psalm 130 and the other Psalms of sorrow or Psalms of lament, we are firstly given the permission to weep. Look at verse 1 and verse 2 of Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, the psalmist says. I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Essentially what the psalmist is saying, he's saying, Lord, I'm in the most desperate of places. I'm slap bang in the middle of a, de- uh, of a desert. I'm, I'm face to face with a seemingly insurmountable giant. And I, and I don't know what to do other than to cry out to you, Lord. Lord, are you, Lord, are you there? Are you, are you even listening? This is not some sanitized neatly packaged, well put together, well articulated uh, prayer or petition before the Lord. This is, this is ugly uh, cry. This is, this, is, this is a version of spiritual ugly crying. It's, it's, it's wailing. It's, it's loud crying. It's, it's painful weeping. It's messy lament. Something that I, I learned when I was going through a family tragedy about two years ago. 
something that I hadn't fully realized before going through that difficult season was that when you mourn, you, you feel deeply. And when you feel deeply, you need to be able to express freely. And that's exactly what Jesus does when multiple times through the Gospels, we see him facing difficult or, 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 or tragic situations. And he freely expresses his emotions, like when he was crying and weeping with Mary and Martha at his best friend's gravesite. Or when he was weeping over Jerusalem because of their hard-heartedness. Or when he, when he cried out in anticipation of the suffering and the pain that he would have to go through on the cross. The point I'm trying to make is that we need to take the time to do what verse 1 calls us to do. And that is to cry out to the Lord in the depths of our despair. We need to take the time to do it ourselves when we are facing those difficult moments. And we need to take the time to create space for others to do that when they are facing difficult moments. How do we respond to hardship or sorrow? Firstly, we have permission to, to weep. But secondly, we need to recognize the power of worship. Look at verse 3 and 4. The psalmist writes, If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Along with weeping, there is worship. And it's important to understand it's not a linear progression. It's not we, we weep and then when we're done with weeping, we move on to worship. It's not, it's not a stepwise approach. approach. It's in the midst of weeping, there is worshiping. And in the midst of worshiping, there is weeping before the Lord. My best friend back in South Africa was part of our church and he, we found out later that he had received some of the most awful and tragic news. On a Sunday afternoon, church that night had started and he wasn't there. And about 15 minutes into the worship part of the service, our friend, my friend walked into the room and walked into the hall, tears streaming down his face. He put his bag on his chair in the front row and walked up to the front of church along with the rest of us and fell on his knees and began to worship the Lord while tears were streaming down his face and he was sobbing. That's what it means to weep and worship and worship and weep. What gives the psalmist the strength to worship in the midst of, of weeping? He's remembering God's grace and God's mercy. This is what he writes. If you, Lord, keep a record of, of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. He's preaching the gospel to himself in the midst of this hardship. He's essentially saying, Lord, I'm not giving in. I, I, I will contend because, because no struggle, no, no matter how intense, no matter how difficult, no matter how overwhelming, can ever dilute your goodness and your grace and your mercy. How do we respond to hardship and sorrow? With weeping, with worshiping, but also thirdly, with a posture of waiting. Look at verse 5 and verse 6. The psalmist writes, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word I put my, my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. And again, I want to just stress this. This is not weeping and then when we're done with weeping, we worship. And then when we're done with worship, we begin to wait. It's, it's weeping and waiting and worshiping all mixed together. 
I wrote this, one of the fruits resulting from times of hardship and difficulty is that it breaks that driving, grasping, fearful self-will that must produce, that must make something happen, that must get it done just in case God doesn't. A season of hardship creates in us a deeper ability to trust in, cry out to, and wait on God. But how do we wait? Well, verse 5 and verse 6 tells us exactly how to do that. Firstly, how do we wait? Verse 5 tells us we put our hope in the, in the word of the Lord. We put our hope in, in God's word. We, we learn to be still and know that he is God. As Psalm 46 tells us, we learn to rest in his goodness. We learn to rest in his faithfulness. We learn to rest in the fact that he is always with us, that his word is the final word on any situation. And that we, we learn to, to know that those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame because that's what his word says. And when we put our trust in the Lord, it enables us to secondly, verse six, wait as watchmen wait for the morning. There's a distinct difference between watchmen waiting for the morning and you and I waiting for a friend who's late for a meeting. If you and I had the opportunity to have coffee with a friend, which hopefully won't be too much, too long in the distant future, but if, if we were sitting at a coffee shop, imagine sitting in a coffee shop waiting for a friend to arrive at 11 o'clock. And by 10 past 11, you begin to look at your watch and you, you realize that your friend is 10, 15, 20 minutes late. And you, you, you start to get annoyed and irritated. And eventually, when they don't arrive, you get up and you leave. That's not how watchmen waited for the morning. They didn't have one of these. Watchmen were posted on the city walls in biblical times and, and, and would, would, would stand guard over the city through the night. And they would wait until the morning would come before their shift or their, and, and before their position or, or, or their responsibility was done. They, they waited for the sun to rise. They didn't know exactly when it was coming. They weren't absolutely sure when it would happen. But they knew with absolute certainty that the sun would rise, that the morning would come. And when we, when we wait like watchmen waiting for the morning, it enables us to declare something like this. Whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next week, whether it's next year, I know, uh, Lord, that you will come through. That you will show yourself faithful because of your word. And because of that, Lord, I have the confidence to wait as a watchman waits for the morning. The opening line of Elevation Worship's song here again summarizes something that I think most of us will be able to relate to. The song starts off, can't go back to the beginning. I can't control what tomorrow will bring. Essentially what that song is doing is identifying the, the what ifs of yesterday. What if that didn't happen? And the what ifs of tomorrow what if this or that happens? And when we live between in the tension of the what ifs of yesterday and the what ifs of tomorrow, it generally, it generally manifests itself in present day hopelessness. I mentioned, I mentioned that family tragedy that we went through a couple years ago. And without going into the details of that, I remember being in the, in the hospital uh, early one morning in downtown Chicago on the 26th floor. Um, my daughter was still asleep at the time and I was sitting overlooking the city as the sun was beginning to rise. 
And I found myself thinking through the what ifs. What if what happened to her hadn't happened? The what ifs of yesterday. Or what if it happens again? The what ifs of tomorrow. And I began to feel anxiety begin to rise. And in that moment, I, I, I felt the Spirit of God begin to speak to me saying, No, don't ask about what if yesterday or what if tomorrow. Begin to ask what now? As in, what are you doing now, Lord? And, and what do you want me to do in response to what you were doing now, Lord? In other words, the, I felt the Lord was inviting me and calling me to seek His presence in the present. And that's what the next line in that Elevation Worship song tells us. Can't go back to the beginning. Can't control what tomorrow will bring. But I know that here in the middle is the place where you promise to be. That's what enables us to wait as watchmen wait for the morning. How do we respond to hardship and sorrow? We have permission to weep. We acknowledge the power of worship. We adopt the posture of waiting, which provides a platform for the privilege to witness. Look at verse 7 and 8, the last two verses. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. What is the psalmist saying? He's saying, he's saying look, the psalmist is declaring, look at the character of my God. Despite what I'm going through, I know, I know this and I can testify that my God will come through. It'll either be tomorrow or next week or next year or even it might not be in my lifetime. But I know that ultimately God will redeem this situation. We must be careful not to make the mistake to think that only uh, if God were to deliver us completely, would there be power in our testimony. But I want to say to us, I want to remind us today that in the midst of, of weeping and in the midst of worshiping and in the midst of waiting on God, we are witnessing to those around us. Nearly every single conversation that you and I are having with people, our neighbors, our work colleagues, or whoever it is, generally starts with a variation of how are you coping? And that's not the generic, hey Steve, how are you doing? That's an, it's often a very sincere, how are you coping? And right there, you and I have the opportunity to witness to the power of God. How are you coping? I'm weeping. I'm struggling. I'm finding this season incredibly difficult. But in the midst of this, I'm worshiping. I'm, uh, in the midst of this, I'm, uh, I'm putting my hope in God. And I'm waiting on Him to bring deliverance because I know deliverance will come, as it says here in the Psalms, with the Lord is unfailing love and in Him is full redemption. Friends, we've got to understand that in the midst of our weakness, 2 Corinthians tells us, 2 Corinthians 10, in the midst of our weakness, God's power is perfected. We don't need to hide our weakness. We need, to, we need to bring our weakness to the Lord and to the world around us so that the power of God can be perfected in and through those weaknesses. So when we give ourselves permission to weep or ugly cry, while we recognize the power of worship and we adopt the posture of waiting, we, we, have, we have created a platform from which we have the privilege to witness. The psalmist says that we should put our hope in the Lord because with the Lord is unfailing love. 
I want to ask you the question this morning, have you put your hope in the Lord? Maybe you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus. I want to ask you that question this morning. Have you put your hope in the Lord? The psalm says not only that with God is there unfailing love, but also there is forgiveness of sins. I want to invite you today, if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, perhaps this is the day that the Lord is calling you into relationship with him. If you sense in your heart that invitation from the Lord to surrender your life and to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me right where you are. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation that is made available through your Son, Jesus. I know that today you are calling me into relationship with you. And as best as I know how, and I don't understand everything, Lord God, but I receive Jesus into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Would you reign and rule in my heart today? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, if you, if you prayed that prayer inviting Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, I would love to hear from you. Please would you email me at testimonies at anthemforall.org. I would love to stay in touch and reach out and share and just introduce myself to you. But I want to ask that question again. Have you put your hope in the Lord? Now I want to ask those who are followers of Jesus. Have you put your hope in the Lord? Or are you asking those what if questions? What if that didn't happen yesterday? Or, or what if this or that happens tomorrow? Are you asking the what if questions and experiencing present day hopelessness rather than asking, uh, seeking the Lord's present in presence in the present? This morning, what we're going to do as we transition from the sermon is we're going to, uh, uh, Aiden has prepared a song for us. And as we go into that song, what I would love for us to do is to break bread. And to, as we do so, to break bread in the context of seeking first the kingdom of the Lord. Seeking first the presence of the Lord in the present. Breaking bread is a wonderful example or a wonderful opportunity for us to look back on the past and, and put our trust in the reality of, of God's word and what, what he, he did on the cross. And then to look ahead to the future, knowing that he will return for us, that God will make a way. And that's what I would love to, for us to focus on this morning as we break bread together. So as Aiden leads us in this song, Allow the words to wash over you. Break the bread. Perhaps you can read a text like Luke 22, verse 19 and 20. Break the bread, the broken body of Jesus, and drink the wine or the grape juice, the blood of Jesus that has been broken and spilt for us, that we might live it with hope rather than living in present-day hopelessness, that we might live acknowledging the presence of the Lord, rather than feeling like he's absent from us. Enjoy the time of breaking bread together and enjoy the song. Grace and mercy 
with a crown of thorns nailed to a tree. Pure and holy, the King of glory nailed to a tree. His blood flowed free for you and me, such passion. Who are we that he would die for our sins? Lord, I praise you now. Lord, I praise you now. Lord, I praise you for the cross. Lord, I praise you now. Lord, I praise you now. Lord, I praise you for the cross. Grace and mercy with a crown of thorns nailed to a tree. Pure and holy, the King of glory nailed to a tree. His blood flowed free for you and me, such passion. Who are we that he would die for our sins? Lord, I praise you now. Lord, I praise you now. Lord, I praise you for the cross. For the cross, 
Chicago and visit us anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.